0: What's up, everyone? My name is Matt James, and welcome to Generation Bitcoin. Today, I'm here with Tom Donahue. How are you doing today, Tom? Thanks for
1: coming on. Doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on the show.
0: You're the director of product management at Kitcaster that connects podcast hosts with podcast guests. Can you go a little bit more into uh, why you're interested in podcasting and how you got started in that?
1: Definitely, yeah. So um, You know, I have been working on products for upwards like five years now, and um, mostly in the cryptocurrency space, which is how you know you reached out to me through Kickcaster because you saw my interest in that. But um, they hired me uh, to work on some products for them, so that's what I'm doing right now. And um, that guest list that you use to um, send some invites out and get connected with me on is one of the products that I'm like um, spearheading right now and working on with them. So. Yeah, they brought me on to um, help to, you know, grow the company and think of some new ideas and products that might be beneficial for podcast guests, podcast hosts, and just the industry as a whole. And um, yeah, the the core basis of what we do at Kitcaster is connecting hosts with guests. So um, it's a really great resource for um, hosts who are looking to just, you know, send out invites to people that they want to see, or we also have an agency side um, where guests can come on and get pitched to certain types of shows like for their specific industry. Like for example, we've had some guests in like the crypto industry um, come on and really want to get on specific types of shows to talk about their stuff. So um, yeah, those are kind of like two different sides to our business right now. And um, so we do, we just, uh, we just connect people to have great conversations.
0: Awesome. Do you think podcasts are the future? Do you think that they're going to uh, still be, widely used and that do you think that niche is, is a growing niche?
1: For sure. I can definitely say right now that, you know, we see it growing like crazy. Um, so Kickcaster is just about over two years old and, um, as, as bad as it sounds, but like COVID really helped our company because people were, you know, staying inside more and like listening to more podcasts. So it became more popular and people were, um, looking to podcasts to get information more often. So, um, we really see like just a huge increase in, um, audience awareness and just like, um, r- real genuine connections between companies and audiences when they go onto podcasts, because, you know, you're just hearing a conversation with like a founder or, you know, a director or something at a company and you're getting like a, a personal account of like what that company does, why they think it's real good. And like, um, what the benefits are, and it helps people to really connect to it. And you know, the way that we make things work is, you know, place people on like ten different shows in the same area, and you know, you're really getting in front of like your desired audience multiple times. And it just helps to you know increase participation, awareness, um, help people close deals. Like we've had clients close multi-million dollar deals off of some guy just being like. I- we heard you on a podcast. You do exactly what we need and and that's it. So yeah, we do think that, um, podcasting is growing and it's here to stay. And, um, one of the best ways to connect with your audience, like in the modern, in the modern world of marketing, where you could just do banner ads online and, you know, jump in front of people's faces, but not make a real connection.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely agree. I think it really allows you to capture the attention of users for, like a long time right because they're so they're so long compared to like a short youtube video or you know a short article you get you get like a whole hour of someone's attention right so that's, a, sure. that's a long time to to uh, pitch whatever you need to to them or and also gain that trust right yeah
1: exactly and it's one other thing that we say is like it's so hard for um typically a lot of like ceos are coming on as guests for us and it's really hard to like sit those people down like for their marketing departments or whatever, to get them to talk about their product. But with podcasts, you know, we just squeeze in an hour a week. They talk to another, you know, subject area expert who knows what they want to talk about, can have a great conversation with them. And then these companies get a bunch of really awesome marketing content of their founder, their CEO talking about the product. And that's something that's not so easy for companies to get. Like you'd be surprised like getting your CEO to talk for an hour about your crypto products. Like it, they're busy people. And if we could just help to squeeze this into their schedule and get some great content out of it, it really does help those companies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds, uh, sounds like it's very helpful for a lot of companies for sure. So you're, you're yeah. also the co-founder and uh, marketing lead at secure digital asset group. So can you go yes. a little bit into, um, cryptocurrency, how you found out about Bitcoin and why, why it appealed to you when you found out about it?
1: Definitely. Yeah. So I started with crypto probably back in, um, I'd say like 2017, maybe 2016. Um, just with like trading, you know, trying to make some extra money. I think I first bought Bitcoin at like $900 or something like just before it got to a thousand. So I've seen it grow immensely obviously and um yeah you know i have a um business partner parker who i started secure digital asset group with we watched we've worked on a couple other companies together in the past as well some crypto involved some not and um we we really wanted to go into a company that could help you know drive adoption and get people excited about crypto get people who were maybe a little undereducated or a little bit um less tech savvy than the average crypto investor so we came up with this company that um, focuses on education and um, enablement to allow people who maybe are not so experienced or could be afraid to buy crypto um, to do it safely and efficiently so yeah we use we use a cold wallet um, product to help foster that for them
0: okay yeah so you're with your your goal with that uh, company is to onboard new users into the crypto space is that is that right
1: definitely and um you know we also some of our other main goals are to help um banks and institutions have a compliant and safe way to offer crypto to their clients um and we believe that our cold wallet solution um it works with a paper wallet but it's print it's just as secure as like a check or a you know a corporate bond or like actual cash the way that it's minted and printed out it has security features just like a normal check um we we're allowing banks and those institutions to offer a secure product to their to their customers um that you know one looks professional it's white labelable and um two it's it's completely safe and very user-friendly you know very little chance for somebody to type a wrong button and, you know, send all of their money somewhere that they will never get it again. So that we really yeah. focused on ease of use and, um, compliance really. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So is that That's your main product on. that you, uh, that you have with that organization, like a, a wallet and it's called Bitbond. Is that right?
1: Yes, exactly. It's called a Bitbond and, um, it look. oh, I wish I had one with me right now, but they're really nice. They look like real money. Oh, actually I might have one right here if you want to see it. Nice. Let's see it. Just a little um, prototype, but we have some updated ones now that have like, you know, holograms like you would see on, on cash and they have, you know, all different types of security features, watermarks and stuff, but essentially mm-hmm. you can get them for all different types of cryptocurrencies. This one's a Bitcoin cash one, for example. And, um, you know it comes with your public key here your private key which this is a it might be hard to tell but it's like a it's a scratch off so mm. it has a security seal over it just like a lottery ticket would have so it's built into the paper and you can scratch it off when you're ready to spend it or sell it trade it whatever you want to do um and we make them in a couple of different versions like this one would be for 10 bitcoin cash so we try to use um denominations to help our our clients or however you'd your clients or customers to uh better understand you know what they're doing or how much value is in a specific wallet and um mm-hmm. so essentially how it works is um you there's an, a specific ID here that um works into our system and it's a lot more than just a wallet we have a whole backend technology system where there you know there's a portal on our website um it's a fully functional fiat gateway so you're going from US dollar or whatever your native currency is, you know, we're starting with the dollar, um, into your desired crypto, um, fully compliant. Um, it's not like a trading platform where you're trading Bitcoin cash for Ethereum or anything like that. It's, it's strictly a fiat gateway. If you, you kind of think of, um, like Coinbase, for example, you're, now they have a lot more trading pairs, but it's, you know, at the, its core, it's a fiat gateway. It's like how we like to think of it. And, um, yeah. So, you can just simply go onto our platform and scan your private key just by holding it up to the camera like that. And, um, it allows you to load whatever denomination is going to be on your bond. And, um, just as easy when you're willing to sell or transfer, you just scratch off the private key and you scan it into our system like that as well.
0: Very interesting. I could see that, uh, being, being, uh, desired by a lot of organizations and, definitely, uh, older people, you know, having a physical paper that represents it would probably, they probably
1: feel better with that. Am I right? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've done a lot of studies with like older investors or more traditional type people and, um, having the physical asset is really important. And also the reason we went with something like this is because one of the main issues that banks and um, financial institutions have right now in terms of Offering cryptocurrency or holding it as a custody solution for their customers is, um, you know, the actual like proof of possession, like the proof of ownership. Because if you have a, um, if you have a pair of keys that's stored digitally, um, it's a lot harder to prove like ownership custody of that. This is the only record of these keys, so we don't keep a copy of them. As soon as this is printed, it's used. It uses a data hashing and scrubbing technique. Everything gets deleted, and it can never come back. This gets printed out on a secure printer. This gets applied over it before any human could ever even see it. So it's very secure. And um, you know, we're we're working on a couple different things of like getting our processes audited and stuff. And we're still working on a round of fundraising right now as well to um, get the right licenses and things that you'll need to to actually sell and offer this type of service um so yeah it's we got a lot of work ahead of us but um you know we really think that it's something that could help drive like a much bigger adoption of the space and help people who might not be as confident to get in on it
0: yeah that's a interesting idea for sure i think there'll be more and more demand for um things products like that to allow people to uh, store their cryptocurrency because it is kind of a a lot to learn for a lot of people. So people who aren't as tech savvy and whatnot. Uh, so sure. there's a lot of ways to, to store cryptocurrency. And, uh, do you, do you recommend any certain way over another or what what's your take on, uh, how, how to store your cryptocurrency?
1: Sure. Um, well, certainly I would recommend like a cold paper wallet solution. If you're really looking at like a long-term hold or a significant amount of coin that, you know, is very valuable um it's just undoubtedly the safest way to to hold it um you know they obviously the next best would be other cold wallet solutions like a trezor or like a a nano wallet but um there's inherent issues with those as well like your keys being stored on a on a file and you know being digitally saved has inherent risk right so um and then after that um you know Probably the most commonly used, but the least safe way is holding your coins on the exchange. Um, And everyone knows that that can be an issue here or there, especially on exchanges like Robinhood, for example, which is being very, um, very popular right now. Um, You don't actually own your private keys. You don't own your cryptocurrency. So um, we really just try to recommend at least getting it off the exchange to a place where you control your own private keys. And um, there are exchanges that can allow you to do that. Um, we're looking at partnering with exchanges to offer bit bonds, you know, as an example um, that just tie in directly with their exchange. So if you have a if you have an exchange account with you know some Ethereum on it, some Litecoin, and some Bitcoin, um, you can just you know buy a couple of these cold wallets, and the exchange will send it to you. They'll be branded for the exchange because, like I said, it's white labelable and everything. You can put whatever you want it to say on there, basically. And um, just like how it would work with our system in exchange, you could just go on the exchange platform, scan your private key, and then all your tr- funds are transferred off the exchange into your into your possession. So um, that's another that's another option that we're looking at going down as well. Um, but I'd say for now we're, we're focusing more on banks offering crypto as a c- custody solution uh, for their clients. But yeah, so if we're going to go in order... Paper cold wallets, um, other like ledger nano cold wallets. And then, you know, other, you could do desktop wallets, whatever, but exchange wallets are probably the least secure, except, excuse me, um, especially the ones that don't allow you to hold your own private keys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rob, I was pretty surprised Robinhood doesn't allow you to withdraw your, your crypto. I think that's the only exchange yeah.
1: I've heard of them doing that. That's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, you don't you just don't own your crypto in Robinhood. That's it's as simple as that. So yeah. We, they say I they have plans never, to, but <laughs> I would never recommend it to anybody. Um Coinbase actually is, you know, super reliable and an established company. Um US based, it's really secure. So if you were going to use one, Coinbase is probably one of the safest out there right now. Were
0: you around uh, when Mt. Gox was hacked for all the Bitcoin and tons of people
1: lost their funds? <laughs> I was not in on it because I was starting in like 2017. So I think that was maybe around like 2014 or something or 20, maybe even earlier. But um, yeah, th- that's just a prime example of what could happen, you know, Hold if you store all your coins on the exchange. Um, there is a reason that you see, you know, big whales. I don't know if you follow an account on Twitter called like whale alerts. <laughs>
0: I've heard of that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's a reason why you see that those funds getting transferred off of the exchange is because they don't want to hold, you know, millions and millions of dollars on a vulnerable exchange. Um, when they don't need to incur that risk, you could just simply transfer it and be much safer.
0: Yeah. Well, I like what you're doing with that product. I think that's a good idea. I think that if you're able to get people to, uh, take their crypto off the exchange and, what, you know, they'd rather have a piece of paper to represent that rather than a digital, you know, program or hardware wallet. I think that's a great thing. So uh, what do you personally do for, for your storage? Uh, do
1: you have it the different store, different ways, or do you have it all one way or? Sure. Um, you know, coins that I'm, um, looking for like a longer term hold that I don't plan to trade or sell, um, particularly soon, I would use a, a paper wallet solution. And, um, you know, I, I do have a couple of these myself, even though this is just a prototype, it's fully functional. Um, but, um, you know, you can also just go ahead and like generate paper wallets yourself. If you know what you're doing, um, there's certainly ways to do it safer and and less safer. So it's, it's up to you. We just believe that our product is great because it takes away all of that, all those questions like, am I doing this the right way? This and that. But um also coins that like I'm actively trading, um, it doesn't make sense for me to take it off the exchange, especially since they're not like significant enough values for me to um be worried about it. And also, you know, there's insurance and stuff on certain exchanges, so I'm not with small amounts I'm fine with keeping some on the exchange and, and using it for trades.
0: Yeah, I agree. Not too yeah, big a deal for small amounts. Yeah.
1: Exactly. But if you're looking at, you know put a significant chunk of investment in it, it makes sense to do it a little bit more, um, more safely.
0: Yeah. A lot of people are concerned about too many people holding their crypto on exchanges and the fact that that might concentrate power in certain exchanges that hold everyone's funds because people may be lazy and not wanting to self custody their funds. Do you think the future holds, uh, Uh, a future where people are, are in self custody over, um, most of the time, or do you think that there's going to be this, uh, these exchanges that are going to be holding tons and tons of funds? How How do you see the future playing out with that?
1: Well, I think, um, we're seeing a lot of people, you know, become educated and, um, enjoy more decentralized exchange models. Um, they're, you know, becoming very popular. And also there are exchanges out there that are, giving access to their private keys and most exchanges you can withdraw on like Robinhood, you know. Um but there are different options that are, you know, going up against that issue. And um I don't think it's an issue that will be widely prevalent in the future. Like oh one exchange has sixty percent of the Ethereum on the market. Like I don't I don't think we're ever really gonna see that happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully products like yours will help people self custody funds cuz so that's super super important and I support sure, anything definitely. to help with that for sure.
1: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and you know, this is something that you could go hide it under your mattress or put it in a bank account lockbox, you know, and and have it mm-hmm. custodied in a way that, you know, is familiar to people and um it's insurable, it's commissionable by brokers and things like that. So, we're really trying to um push this product as like the bridge between the old financial system and the new fi- financial system, like help the people who are used to the way the old things are like a corporate bond that you would invest in a company with um, to get into, you know, the way things will likely be in the future. Cause the way we see it is that most people who are developing wallets and products like, like that in the crypto space right now are just kind of thinking ahead and almost leaving some people behind in the dust and not really considering the people who might not be so tech savvy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I do, uh, hear about a lot of Bitcoin being transferred off of exchanges onto private wallets. So that's mm-hmm. good news. And hopefully, uh, hopefully that continues to, to happen more. for Sure. Definitely. So moving on to the recent, uh, market movements with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, there is a uh, sure. quite a big dip today as El Salvador uh, enacted their legal tender, Bitcoin as legal tender. So, yeah. uh, do you think that uh, the bull run is over for this season, or you think, where uh, do you think we're headed with the with the price action?
1: Um, no, I don't think the bull run is over at all. I think um, I I understand why some people are having a little sell off right now. I might even also think it's a little bit of market manipulation for people to. Get in a little bit lower as the bull run continues on. Um, we're still in the same bull run that you know was running six months ago. Um, before that kind of larger dip around that time that happened, um, when Bitcoin was you know approaching like sixty thousand those levels, and then you know we saw a significant you know, like fifty percent drop. Um, we're still in the same bull run as then. Uh, I think we just had a pullback, like it's like correction. Um, people are taking advantage of the news in El Salvador to sell off a little bit and maybe try to buy back in a little lower, and then maybe some people who think it actually is that serious that they're, you know, accepting as tender that they think, um, oh, it's you know, it's taking away anonymity. It's um, the people in El Salvador are going to be required to register their wallets and stuff, and I think those those are kind of the main reasons why people are thinking, oh, this isn't good. But um, I don't think I don't think we're anywhere close to stopping, and I don't think those issues are really going to be very prevalent moving down the line. Yeah, yeah, I was super suspicious what
0: happened. I mean, as soon as they enact le- the legal tender laws, and then boom, it drops like a like a rock, and then I don't know yeah. what caused that. But
1: <laughs> it sounds like a good thing, right? But I think that um, one of the main reasons is, like I said before, taking away the, um, kind of the core values of like what cryptocurrency was built on you know they're in el salvador i was reading a little bit about like the rules and stuff and you know you're gonna have to like register your wallet like to your name and everything so the anonymity is being taken away um it's becoming a little bit more regulated which people don't want to see in cryptocurrency like full regulation um they don't want to see governments like um It sounds like someone's hammering upstairs or something. Uh, They don't want to see governments, um, you know, taking over and, and trying to benefit or centralize currencies like that. So I think that is one of the biggest things behind this dip. But, um, I think even more than that, the people worried about that is bigger whales just being like, oh, we can use this as a way to sell off and, you know, accumulate a little bit more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to follow what's going on for sure that in El Salvador with the uh, government involvement with that. Hopefully sure. it's not too, too regulated and people still have a choice, right, to use yeah. a uh, self-custodied wallet that isn't KYC. There is a government wallet, right? And there, are they
1: required to use it or is it encouraged? Um, so. From what I read, I just know that they have, you know, their own platform where people will be registered to the wallet. So, like, your wallet will be linked with your name and, you know, your ID number, whatever they use in El Salvador. And they do have, obviously, their own government has their own wallet. But um, I, I'm not too familiar exactly with how it works, but it's going to be interesting to see. And I think either way, it's going to be good for us to find out, you know, what kind of is working and isn't working. I think you're going to see a lot of countries come out with their own um, cryptocurrency, you know, within the next five to 10 years, United States included. I don't know if you saw in one of the, um, I think it was in one of the stimulus packages. Um, There was a provision written in for the United States to um, mint their own cryptocurrency. So it's already like been approved. You know, they're they're just going to figure, I'm sure they're going to figure out stuff out and figure out how to make u.s dollar token a real thing i'm sure it's gonna i'm sure we're gonna see it i'm sure we're gonna see it from a majority of you know established countries out there who are a lot more forward thinking
0: yeah yeah i think we'll see uh definitely uh central bank digital currencies is that that's what you're referring to right yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: definitely. yeah we'll definitely see those and i don't i don't see that as competing with bitcoin because it's still it's still fiat, right? It's it's just a digital version of it, basically.
1: Is that how you see it? Yeah, it 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 would be a centralized currency, right? Because if you're having um, the Fed, you know, mint a token, um, I doubt that. You know, maybe they would allow um, private parties and individuals to mine it and allow the network to be decentralized. But I I don't see them giving up control um, of of the ecosystem, like more than fifty-one percent, which is what it would take to be decentralized. Um, so I don't think that those types of projects will take away from um, current crypto projects and and blockchains. But I think that um, it will encourage those other uh, projects that are existing to be used more, um, and it'll just make it easier for you to go between, you know, one. Uh, maybe like federally minted cryptocurrency into an Ethereum or like a traditional blockchain. I think it'll just make things a lot easier. I think uh, the governments of the world will catch on to that and realize that crypto is here to stay. I think they're already realizing it. You see governments, you know, approving new things all the time, trying to figure out how they're gonna regulate, which is another reason that we think our product can be successful because um, you'll have, it. it is kind of in a way, because we obviously have kyc aml um similar to what El salvador is doing like you know who owns this wallet um with bit bonds it helps you to be fully compliant for tax purposes and regulation and um you know it does help to kind of give a little bit more identity to what's going on so but you could also buy a that's if you were to use our exchange platform Um, we have to legally collect kyc aml from anyone using our platform you could still purchase a Bitbond wallet and load it through your own means um, just by transferring to the public address so
0: there's
1: a there's use for anyone if you if you want to use it if you want to do it Hmm. anonymously you can do that as well but when when they're going through us you know for us to protect ourselves we have to go through the right channels and the right steps to allow that to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, that's, that's what you got to do. Uh, I think it's good cause you're, you know, onboarding new users and KYC yeah. is, you know, required. So that's, that's what we have to do. But I mean, that's it's, it. It, it does give the ability to, like you were saying, people can use it anonymously if you want, but you know, for, yeah. for exchanges and whatnot, they do have to use KYC and whatnot. Are you concerned about, uh, central bank, digital, digital currencies being too Orwellian to, um, tracking and storing of all transactions and relating every address to everybody and being able to, to survey the entire nation? Does that, does that scare you at all? Are you, what do you think about that?
1: Um, well, I think that's the reason that they're going to want to do it. Um, I think that would be their main point behind creating something like that. Um, you have. You know, a Fed that is used to being able to see what everyone's doing, you know, they want to collect on their taxes. They want to know who's doing what. They're already doing their best to make sure that they're getting every tax dollar they can from current crypto transactions that are happening. So um, I would assume that, yeah, you know, they will be trying to trace everything and know who's doing what. And um, I think that's just inevitable. And also, that's just another reason why it's not going to take away too much from the already existing blockchain projects that are out there.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a definitely a separate thing when you're looking at a decentralized cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin, comparing that to a centralized, uh, uh fee, it's just a digital version of fiat money is how I see CBDC. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I picture it working, you know, m- very similarly to how, you know, we do online banking, like, yeah, the majority of people's money is um accessed through online banks with credit cards with debit cards you know that type of system it it's just going to i think with when i think when we think about these um federal tokens like these government regulated tokens it's just going to be like a seamless transition like people won't even see it happen really but it's just going to be like oh all of a sudden the money in your Capital One account is U.S. dollar token, and it's going to be used to, in a very similar way, like with your credit card. Rather than you know paying a transaction through through, through a credit card processor, it's actually just doing a blockchain transaction. And um, I think that's I think that's how we're going to see it happen. But I could be wrong. You know, who knows how they'll go about it? But um, I could see it being something you know as simple as that, really.
0: Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It might all be done in the back end, you know, and users don't really see it going on. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that that'll probably be how, that, how it plays out. Um, yeah. Do you think the, the government is going to be uh, kind of going harder and attacking crypto harder? And do you think there's going to be stricter regulation? And do you think that? uh, altcoins that are too centralized, maybe at risk, or how do you see that playing out with the uh, future government regulation?
1: Sure. Um, I do think that they're going to try to, you know, get more eyes on the inside and, you know, figuring out what's happening and, and things like that. They're already, you know, pushing changes hard to give up, um, tax information so they know who to reach out to with those letters that they send out and stuff so I think it's best to just you know get on top of your stuff now and um, take care of your taxes do whatever you got to do it's much better to just pay it off in the beginning than you know get a letter in a couple years saying hey you owe this you owe us this much Um, and in terms of altcoins that are more centralized potentially taking a hit um, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if it's really going to make a difference. I mean, I know that um, the government's going to be looking to get their their cut of whatever is going on, um, but I'm hard pressed to think of some altcoins right now that um, are maybe like so centralized that it would that it would hurt them. Um, I I really don't see I don't see it having an effect on those, um, but it could discourage some people from you know trading or like transacting how they do now if it becomes a lot more serious and a lot more regulated and fees start coming out for the government um but to be honest it's the only way that's possible for the government to you know grab a fee is on that um fiat transaction so like Mm. if if it was coming from a usd coin you know maybe they could if they de- develop their own currency, they could, you know, initiate a transaction fee if you're going from one blockchain to the other or doing a trade. But, um, you, know, you know, technically you do owe taxes on a transaction from Ethereum to Bitcoin, um, but it's it's a tax. It's not a fee. They can't, they can't charge a transaction fee on that. And who knows what regulations could come out to be? You know, they're obviously trying to figure it out. Um, but I think if you did see them try to implement something like that on uh, third party blockchain systems, like transaction fees, you know, for the government or a certain tax, um, I think you'll just see a lot more people opt into, you know, privacy chains and, you know, more anonymous things. Like people are going to get around that. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to tolerate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the reason I bring up, uh, governments coming out, coming after, Uh, altcoins more is recently I looked into how the SEC defines a a security and they define it as a, a project where there's a team behind it in which investors invest money into that team. That team, you know, does the work and investors have a hope of future profits, right, from that team. So yes. There's... It's a
1: test called the Howey test. That's how they uh, will determine whether it's a security or not. It's, and you just defined like the three aspects of the test. Um, it's something that on a future or on a previous project, you know, I was very invested in because um, we were working on a potential ICO offering. And it was during that first heyday of ICOs, I think around 2017 or 2018, where um, a lot of ICOs were happening. A lot of companies were getting massive amounts of funding through ICOs and a lot of companies are getting sued by the government <laughs> for doing their ICOs so <clears throat> that Howie test is something that um you know y- you need to use to kind of define your coin as a utility token rather than a security and it's kind of you know he said she said about how one thing could work and how one thing could be looked at but um yeah it's you know it's something that they're probably going to have to draw a little bit more um, defined regulations around um, just to help clear things up. Um, but you still see, and now you're seeing a lot more of like um, liquidity pool type op- offerings, which, you know, inherently is pretty much an ICO. But um, just based off of the, you know, the economics and the structure of the tokens, they're not getting. Hit with those like security charges, um, it's it's like a big dark hole to jump into to try to define all of those you know legal things. But um, I think they're going to come out with some some very um, detailed and defined you know regulations to. I they have to. So yeah. we're going to see it eventually, and it might change the way that some things work. But um, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I don't know what else yeah. to say about it. It's a it's a big wormhole to jump into.
0: Yeah, right now it's not very clear. You're right, and you know, yeah. a lot of these altcoins can be considered securities to a certain degree, mm-hmm. so it's hard to say. Another issue that I see is that uh, there's there's a lot of tokens and cryptocurrencies around uh, the DeFi space. And a lot yeah. of uh, like decentralized exchanges, for example, don't collect KYC because it's there's no there's no custodian in the middle. Right. Holding the funds. It's it's uh, you, have, you have custody of your funds as you swap them because it's going through these back end protocols. And so it's interesting to see how that will play out if they are going to, you know, not want uh, decentralized uh, finance to be going on because it's not. KY seed? And if so, how, how will they, you know, come after that? And can they even stop it is the question, right?
1: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if they can, you know, um, the first thing they would have to be able to do to stop it would be to trace it. And, um, that's just like, it's so hard right now with the, the metamass and perpetual swaps, pancake swap, like those types of things. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. And I mean, you can, you can go into the The blockchain explorer and see how people are swapping and things like that but if anyone wants to do something anonymously they can Um, so I think it's going to take a lot from them and I'm not even sure if it's fully possible um, unless they just straight up say you know it's illegal to do this and you know if we catch you doing it like you're going to go to jail like I don't think they're going to stop people and even if they do say that it's still not going to stop everybody so I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with all that stuff.
0: Me too. Yeah. It's definitely fun to watch and see how it plays out. So yeah, yeah. moving on to, uh, to, we were talking about, you know, tokens, DeFi tokens and altcoins. Um, Mm -hmm. do you think, uh, what what is your take on toxic maximalism and, you know, Bitcoiners who think that Bitcoin should be the only, the only cryptocurrency and all us, all other ones are a waste of time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, I know there's people out there like that, but I didn't know we had the, the term ready to go. Uh, <laughs> the,
0: Toxic maximalism. <laughs>
1: yeah, I I mean, I don't get why some people think that way. Um, it's clear that um, you know other currencies are going to be better for certain applications. I think that Bitcoin will always obviously be the first crypto, right? And it will always be like the gold of crypto. I think Bitcoin's always going to have value, and I think it's going to be valued at... You know, over like, 000, like a hundred thousand dollars, like a lot higher than it is right now. Um, but I, it's obvious to me, at least, that um, it's not going to be the only cryptocurrency, and it's not the best cryptocurrency for everything. I'm not even sure if it's the best cryptocurrency for anything at all. Like I think it's just um, inherently the first crypto, and people will always look at it as the crypto gold, so it has an inherent value, but. Um, it's not the best for transactions. It's not the best for um, transaction speed, security. There's much you know safer coins out there, much faster coins, uh, much cheaper coins to transact with. So, um, I to me, there's obviously going to be other players. Um, who knows what the next biggest one will be? I think Ethereum's really promising for the applications that it has right now. Um, the features the smart contracts and stuff are just things that aren't possible with bitcoin so um at least now but um i don't even see in the future them you know even going for anything like that um why why compete you know if bitcoin's good at one thing being the first cryptocurrency um, (laughs) it's not better than any other token at anything else so i don't think bitcoin will be the one and only as, you, the one. as the maximalists might say.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. I don't think it'll be the, the one and only either. There will always be other cryptocurrencies. Uh, however, I have been uh, listening to a lot of maximalists and the points that they make, and I have learned a lot about how uh, I do think Bitcoin is the, um, the most secure and the most decentralized and unstoppable um, money, and it's made yeah. to be be a money, right? Like a base layer money. And sure. it's interesting to, store value. It's, yeah, yeah. Store value and, and things are being built on top of it. And it's interesting because it's uh, kind of like a layered, uh, architecture, like, uh, kind of like the internet or right? like TCP, HTTP, it's built in mm-hmm. layers. And, uh, you know, with the lightning network being built on top of it, it's able, people are able to do, you know, instant and nearly fee free transactions. So I, I do think it is the best, uh, my opinion, it's the best money, I guess, if we're looking for like the uh, universal worldwide money. Um, but the, but you know, I'm open to others as well, but it's interesting yeah. to see cause there's, there's development being on on different layers on top of it. So,
1: yeah, well these like lightning network updates are awesome and everything. So you'll Bitcoin will always be there and it will always be valuable in my opinion. Um, I just think that other coins will present, you know, Uh, better options for specific types of use cases like there's obviously going to be different coins for all different things and um i don't see bitcoin just becoming the one and only coin just strictly because there's so many coins doing wildly different things out there i even um i bought this over to show you today i this is my first crypto miner that i got (laughs) oh cool it's a Bobcat, um, helium miner. Helium is a token. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but, um, it, this isn't like a, it's not like a graphics card. It's, it's a, it's, it's a radio like antenna basically. And, um, the way that that chain is running is they're trying to create an internet of things network. So, um, those like lift scooters that maybe, I don't know if they have them been in, in OC, but, uh, I'm sure they yeah. have them somewhere. You see them around. Those things all need internet connection, and um, you know every smart device, whatever that's a internet of things device, needs an internet connection. So the helium people are trying to build like a mesh network um, using radio, fre- like low range radio frequencies, to connect everything. And um, I just think it's a really cool project, and uh, it's something that. Bitcoin isn't even considering doing. Just as an example, not to hate on Bitcoin and everything. I love Bitcoin, but um, there's just going to be so many different use cases that we can't even imagine yet. And um, helium is just one of those, uh, one of those ideas as well that is just cool. And you know, people undoubtedly support it. So I I think there's going to be plenty of tokens that come and go to do different types of things. And um, who knows maybe one day like a token will become so widely used that it's more valuable than bitcoin or if not more valuable um more uh used more commonly used and transacted with than bitcoin i could i could certainly see that happening
0: yeah yeah there's a lot of other use cases it's definitely completely different from a uh, base layer money which bitcoin is uh it's trying to yeah. be so yeah so moving on, do you think uh, more countries are going to be adopting uh, cryptocurrency as legal tender in the future and follow suit of El Salvador, uh, making it Bitcoin as legal tender? What do you think
1: about that? Sure, I think um, I think it's gonna happen. Like, there's already been countries in Asia who. Um i don't want to say any like wrong countries but for some reason i feel like south korea or like japan you can already use cryptocurrencies in stores over there and stuff i don't think they're nationally recognized currencies um but i think we will see it you know start to happen more and more and i think in the long run rather than seeing countries accept an already existing crypto like bitcoin as a national currency i think we're gonna more often see countries just create their own cryptocurrency like we talked about before um it just makes Mm. more sense to me at least yeah well with el salvador as well you know um they have their own like issues with their economy and stuff and their own uh fiat currencies value so you know it might make sense for countries in positions like that to accept a much more widely um valuable and more recognized currency than even their own i think people would take bitcoin over an el salvadorian dollar or whatever currency they use i'm not even entirely sure but um, it, it makes sense sometimes for them to do that but i think more often we're going to see uh countries create their own currency
0: yeah who do you think will be next to hold uh bitcoin on their balance sheet in terms of, uh, institution or country? Where do you think who's going to be next with, with that? Do you have any oh, predictions?
1: Hmm. Well, I think in pretty much every institution's doing it right now. So let me, for the next country, um, I don't know. I think once people see how it works in El Salvador or just from the news, like other countries will be like, Hey, why don't we do that too? And, um, yeah. I don't know, maybe some maybe some of the more like forward techie thinking countries in Europe will, will do it first. I can really see, um, like an EU token or something like that becoming a thing. So I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they hopped into other cryptocurrencies before that became a thing.
0: Yeah. Where do you see the future uh, in terms of Bitcoin and fiat money or, uh, government tokens as you uh, were talking about? Where, do you think, there'll be a clash and do you think that one will come out the winner or do you think that fiat monies and bitcoin will coexist or how do you think that will will play out
1: Hmm. um i see like definitely a much more of a cashless future as certainly a real possibility um i think people love cash and i think they love how it feels and just the simple idea behind cash um so i think obviously it will always exist um but i do see um just like we said before you know companies coming out their own currencies and um just the wider adoption of already existing and to be existing currencies um that are decentralized and not run by any institution um i think I think there will be a real, um, you know, defining moment or like a clash, if you might define it that way. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as like detrimental or you know uh, mm, as much of an issue as people might think. I think it's going to just be like, hey, this is you know a lot smarter. Let's just let's just do this. And I think you know once you know more conservative or older um, less interested people are you know out of the way and maybe like not to say that most older people aren't down with new technology but like once more younger people and more um, forward-thinking people are in power and like in the positions to make those decisions um, I think eventually it's just gonna be like hey like this is just smarter for everyone why don't we why don't we just do it and I think it's just gonna be a thing that happens naturally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see, I see the same. I mean, you have two options, you know, there's tons of countries and institutions with, you know, lots of fiat money just being held and cash reserves, not doing anything. And it's losing value over time. It's losing so much value. They're printing, you know, 35, 40% in the last year of all dollars created or is printed in the last year. So you're looking at that devaluation happening or you can hold it in yeah. something with a hard cap, right?
1: It's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started on the U.S. dollar because I'm, I'm fully, uh, I'm fully convinced that we'll see a big crash, you know, coming in the value of the the USD. So, uh, I I hold more, I've, I'm holding more and more value each day in in cryptocurrencies over over U.S. dollars, and um, that's just you know my own personal opinion that that's gonna happen, but the way that um you know the fiat reserve system works and fractional reserve lending if you've looked into that type of stuff um yep. it's it's just unsustainable and um, it's it's something that can't go on forever and we're kind of just kicking the can down the road as to when it's gonna crash but eventually you know eventually there's gonna come a time where it's just like hey you know it's all over and uh, <laughs> the value of the dollar is gonna probably most likely plummet i at least what i believe and i think that's going to be um either the defining point or the um inspiration to start like the u.s you know cryptocurrency you know they might even try to do that before the dollar goes down to try to avert it or counteract it or at least get something in place to be ready
0: (laughs) Um, yeah i see that pivotal moment as a Bitcoin's time to shine as a Bitcoin standard because oh, yeah. uh, you know all, all fiat money eventually hyperinflates because it's corruptible, right? It, it can be printed and centrally controlled. So, it's going to yeah. be corrupted at some point as all fiat money has. So, yeah, hopefully uh, the Bitcoin standard will will come out and and shine.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean people who say that Bitcoin, you know, can't pass like $100,000 or something like that, it really doesn't make any sense because all that has to happen is for the u.s dollar to be half as valuable as it is right now and bitcoin's past a hundred thousand dollars so um i think you know we'll even see bitcoin pass that before the value of the dollar starts to really come down um and then you know you could see it be worth much more than that
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at gold's uh, market cap; it's about uh, eleven trillion. And then, if you take all fiat money in the world, that's hundreds of trillions, right? So, if you're comparing Bitcoin to that, that definitely has a long, long ways to grow, for sure.
1: I agree. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And then once you know Elon Musk starts mining gold in asteroids, like, who knows what the value of gold's gonna drop down to? You know, you can't go mine cryptocurrency on an asteroid. (laughs) So i think that's, that's true the 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 unparalleled scarcity in cryptocurrency is the driving factor behind the value and um especially bitcoin being one of the most scarce cryptocurrencies out there um, it's just bound to go up in value in my opinion yeah where do you see it long um... on everything <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm bullish AF. <laughs> yes. Where do you see Bitcoin in, um, in five years from now? Do you think it's going to become less volatile over time? Cause that's something that a lot of people, uh, don't like about Bitcoin is that it's volatile. Do you think it will become more stable in the future as more, more liquidity is added and it becomes more of a, a worldwide, uh, thing that people use for, for transacting?
1: Yeah, I think stable coins are gonna, um, be very popular and i think that bitcoin inevitably will have to you know flatten out eventually um i could see it flattening out you know well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars um but you know there's only a certain amount of money you know in the world i don't see bitcoin just being like extremely volatile like into the millions or whatever i I don't see it happening but um yeah for it to be you know, more widely used as a, as a currency, it should be more stable. And, um, you know, that's another reason why other coins are so great too, because there are coins built to be stable and built to be used as a transaction of value over time so that, you know, I can pay a merchant with my Bitcoin or sorry, I could pay my, my merchant with whatever it is for, um, a car. And by the time I get home, you know, the amount I spent on that car isn't twice as much. Um, you know, it's, it's something that needs to happen. And, uh, if any cryptocurrency plans on being, you know, a widely, um, adopted transactional currency, it has to, um, have some sort of stability.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, how do you think, or what do you think, uh, we can do to help grow the, the network and get the word out and, teach people about Bitcoin and why, why it's superior to, to, to crypto, uh, sorry, to fiat money and whatnot. And what are you doing sure. to support that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> that's what our whole company is about. So, um, it's all about education. Um, we're not only making this product, but like working on creating tons of educational material and, um, just things to tell, teach people like about The benefits and how to stay safe and how to do everything so i think you know it starts with education um it's continued on by adoption and um it's just finished with like mass acceptance so um really um a lot of what we're investing you know the money that we already have and what we're going to be doing with the funds that we're raising in this next round that we're doing um, is going to be mainly focused on education um people aren't buying in because they're afraid they're uncertain they don't know what um, a lot of people don't even know what cryptocurrency is or means Um, so you just have to start by you know educating people Um, you know the majority of the world's money is held by people you know over 50 60 years old who aren't very interested in cryptocurrency you know they have what they know and they're gonna keep that until they you know head out, but, um, it's, if we can find a way to, um, encourage those people that this is safe and, um, this is something that, you know, will be profitable investment, you know, down the line in terms of, you know, certain tokens, you know, maybe, or just the space as a whole, um, allowing for that education, allowing for those safe entry methods, um, those, you know, kind of foolproof solutions that, allow people to do this stuff without losing their money um that's what you're gonna have to provide i don't think that providing um these like digital wallets or these treasure treasure wallets or whatever that people are using like on flash drives to have to um you know that you have to be super educated to know how to use um i just i don't think that's fair to everybody and i don't think that's how you drive mass adoption i think you need something that's so dumb simple that like anyone can do it.
0: Yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I agree. Well, I think what you're doing with your company is really great getting onboarding people and getting them to self custody their funds. That's, that's awesome. So where can people find more about you and, and your company where you help
1: people do that? Sure. Um, anyone can connect with me on my LinkedIn. It's, um, I'll send you the link for it, but it's LinkedIn slash the Tom Don. That's what I was able to get on there, so that's what it is. I can send you um, links and everything um, for Secure Digital Aztec Group. Um, it's sdagcrypto.com, s-d-a-g crypto.com, and um, the site is down right now. So <laughs> we're uh, we're d- running updates to it. We, you know, we have a lot of new stuff coming out, and um, as we as we wrap up our funding rounds, you know, we're looking at you know getting to market and um, trying to make things happen. So as with any startup, you know, we have hurdles to come over and, uh, but yeah, you can find information there when the website is up and, um, yeah, my LinkedIn is great. Um, that's where I, you know, professionally connect for pretty much anything.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I'll link your uh, website and your LinkedIn in the description so people can uh, check it out and thanks a lot for being on. I enjoyed our conversation.